can go shoot a thousand rounds. Yep. You can go shoot a thousand arrows. You can't gut a thousand deer. You can't. You can't practice cutting down a back strap a thousand times. And when it comes down to that, after you make the shot, every hunter knows it's not over. It's definitely not over. Now you have to harvest this animal correctly while saving all the meat. That's why we thought that this field to table would be a good thing. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Welcome to this week's episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. And welcome to the Bone Cave. We do have some new um, mule deer in the Bone Cave, just so everybody knows. If you stop by in Spearfish, South Dakota, get off on exit 14, go to the top of the ramp, take a right turn into Hampton Inn, which is your first right after you take a right. Go through their parking lot into the back. There's a strip mall right there. We are here. I don't know what number we are, but we're in that strip mall right between Walmart and Hampton Inn. Is that a good description? That's pretty good. That'll work. I don't everybody I never, knows. I don't know the address. I can tell you. I'm looking it up right now. Our um, address is 2735 First Avenue, Suite, Suite 109. 109. Spearfish, South Dakota. Perfect. Perfect. So if you're coming through, because uh, guess what? It is the, I, we're recording this at the beginning of July, basically. The end of June, very latter part of June. It's our monsoon season this year. Oh, shit. All year has been monsoon season here. It's crazy. So anyway, we are uh, um, we are here. We'd love to have you come on back and ask to see if you if you're a podcast listener. Make sure you come in. Uh, we usually give you some type of gift if you mention the podcast. We better if you, they don't. You call me um, because uh, they should be sending you out with a water bottle that says Rolling Bones Outdoors on it, and you should be able to come back and see the Bone Cave where we do the podcast. It's really underwhelming. Um, in my opinion, but some people really love it. It's got a lot of what are you laughing at? Way well, to, I'm way just, to sell it. N well, no, yeah, right. I mean, you know, this is like <laughs> version 3.0, but uh, it wasn't like version one or version two. No, version <laughs> one was the epitome of a bone. Oh my! <laughs> it was it was elbow to uh, shoulder to shoulder uh, deer, and uh, every I liked, I liked the original too. You liked the original. Well, that was too. what we were talking about. Oh, the original, original. Yeah. The OG. The OG. OG. Yeah. yeah, well, that one was good. Well, today we have a, a special guest, a uh, guy by the name of Noah Maimon from the Black Hills Butcher Block. Hello, Noah. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Yeah, put that right up to your mouth. Sound better? Okay, sounds good. Perfect. Um, anyway. And Noah brought his new best friend. <laughs> I brought my new best friend. Who's, yeah. what's your, who's your new best friend? Yeah, she's a seven-week-old Labrador retriever that keeps me up at night. She's a good dog, but... <laughs> We're learning. We're I learning did see her. I did see her sit three times in a row. Yep. I saw her bring her uh, little animal back to you today three times in a row. Yep. Then she gets disenchanted, which is a, a puppy. Yeah, she's um, true. Because she's seven weeks old. Yeah. But I did see her sit on command. Mm -hmm. So you're doing a good job with her. YouTube's a good teacher. Training. Yeah. <laughs> it's a training baby. Training baby. Training yeah. baby for the real <laughs> baby. Precursor for the baby. You know, like I told you, though, really, when she gets about nine months old, mm -hmm. you need to just take her down for three, four weekends in a row and to Dewey. And uh, um, and he he'll he will Some help training. you yeah. with her. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. No. Um, because you want a good dog, you want to uh, make sure you owner, do the right. Good thing owner so. makes a good dog. There you go. 
There you go. So anyway, we are going to talk today. Uh, we did a field to table class, but we're not going to talk about field to table yet. We're actually going to have that family on with us in the next week or two. Um, pretty dynamic. Fa- they talk about nuclear family. We, you, you, I, I think it's unfair. You said we had a field to table class, and, you know, and but we're not going to talk about it. You don't even. You're not even going to say what it is. Well, I think we should say what it is. But, I think that's but, fair. But we we okay. So we did a test run on field to table, yeah. and as as a lot of you listeners know, and, and if you don't, because you're just plugging in for the first time, um, uh, my my I guess education after high school would be in uh, meat science. And um, I uh, worked with, went to the University of Wisconsin and uh, um, in the Southwest Wisconsin uh, campus. Um, and uh, I worked under Dr. Um, oh, I can't even, uh, I think, I, 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 the Dr. Dennis Beagie from the main campus that we were just talking to, Warren Gregory. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, and God rest his soul. Um, and he was uh, our federal meat inspector and was an amazing man and uh, um, was a huge mentor in my life. But anyway, um, you know, that was my education. And then I left that industry, but that industry did connect me to financial services. So I left the industry, came back. My son in 2020 came home and graduated with, from the University of uh, Black Hill State University, right? Yep. With a business degree. Is that correct? Two. Two. What were they? Business, finance, and administration. So, um, so, and you almost, and you did have a minor in religious studies. Minor in Catholic studies, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, you're, you are a minister, too. Aren't I, you? I am an ordained minister. <laughs> and you are an ordained minister, too. Oh, my God. So, oh, somebody yeah, says, will you marry me? You could actually do that. 100%, yeah. yeah. Well, you know what's funny is Noah got married this last year, and this is yeah. not funny. Yeah. But he had, um, I, I had, uh, um, I had proclaimed that I had a couple strong encouragements for his wedding. And so him and Taylor came back and asked me a question if I would actually marry them, which was a huge honor. And I said, no way. <laughs> I am not. I, I, can't, I can't do that. No, no that's huh? not happening. But anyway, it, wow. was, uh, um, it was interesting. So we digress. Yep. Um, so we did a field to table. Mm-hmm. And what the field to table is – is that we wanted to run a class. Uh, uh, one of our big successes here that we see a lot of, uh, you know, positive outcome from is our shooting academies. And it's driven by pure passion from Brad and myself and Jeff Seip. And they work, they're, they're extraordinary. People, the lights go on when they're shooting. And at the end of that first day when they hit that gong at 7,000 or 7,700 yards <laughs> off shooting sticks, they just about, I mean, they can't even, they belly giggle at themselves because they were able to do it with some instruction. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yes. It was like at the Argali Club when they were hitting things at three quarters of a mile away. They belly giggled when I would ho- make sure their gun was level and then said, okay, now you communicate to Brad, shooters ready, and we got the sequence down, but you got to go fast because I was, you know, you know they, what I'm saying? They were, there was a hands-on, two-on-one transfer two, of data. Exactly. From the two coaches to the shooter. To the shooter. And and we had a lot of them hit. A couple of them hit first time. I think but, we had – I, th- I think we had three three first round hits, and they were and they th- that that laugh that enthusiasm because of what they learned, and so we one of the biggest questions we get during the fall is how to handle meat and how to care for it, and uh, um our thoughts on that, 
And Noah, um, with a business degree, and then with my meat science degree, we put the two of us together. And Noah said in 2020, the butcher shop was for sale here in town. He said, Dad, we should buy the butcher shop. And I was like, mm, I don't know if we should. And he's like, I'll run it. And yeah, so, Brad, Brad said we should buy the walk-in cooler. <laughs> Noah upgraded it. Huh? Noah, Noah had more influence than the walk-in cooler, Brad. <laughs> I <guess> so. <laughs> so, that, so I don't know if I, I – I know I've told you this story, but huh. I, called, I called Brad and I go, well um, – uh, I just want to let you know I got those walk-in coolers. He goes, no shit, <laughs> you got them. I go, yeah. He goes, with the whole shop. We were we were gonna <laughs> buy we were gonna always buy one together yep. and put it at my house. Yep. And uh, <laughs> do that. And he called, and I was like, wow, you just kind of left me out. Mm-hmm. I, I go, I got I got one. And he goes, he goes, really? And I go, yeah, I just bought the whole damn butcher shop today. <laughs> so anyway, it was funny Came with everything. But but the fact of the matter is um, you took over running the butcher shop. And one of our strategies uh, ultimately was to have a big wild game business. Is that right? Yep. hundred percent. And last year you did a little over 900 head. Yep. Between mule deer, whitetail, elk, um, antelope, antelope. Buffalo, Moose, caribou, buffalo, buffalo oh, alpaca. Yeah. No, uh, there was we <laughs> we have a wide selection of wild game that walks. No, through they there. weren't alpaca. What was it? There's no, they were sheep. Or no, 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 uh, no. The, uh, llamas, llamas, llamas. llamas yeah, you llama. butchered a llama. Two yeah. of them. Oh my gosh. We'll get really? into that later. Why? <laughs> why we did that? But yeah, there's because they were spitting at a guy's horse. Oh, bam, yeah. bam, huh? They get territorial. You got to put them. A llama rama. Yeah, a llama rama. I didn't know you could eat those. Yeah, a lot of neck meat. <laughs> a lot of neck meat. That's well, no lie. Right? Yeah, right? Exactly. A long neck rose. Oh, yeah. You know, one of the things we do in the newspaper, the broadsheet that we do, No Boundaries for Rolling Bones, mm-hmm. is we have a section on there from the butcher block with Chef Paul, who always comes up with a wild game recipe. Yep. So I want llama. In another couple months. Okay, sounds good. We'll try to find one for you. Get something going. <laughs> we'll have to talk to yeah, Chef grind it, grind it up and throw it in. There's, there's a llama burger. Well, they, they said, Dad, do you want to try this? Or, uh, Brian, do you want to mm-hmm. try this? I'm like, no, I'm not eating a llama. <laughs> it's, like, it's like eating a horse. I don't think you're supposed to eat horses. Funny enough, that's the three things we get asked about the most time is, would you guys, have you ever done a llama? Would you ever want to do a llama? Would you ever want to eat a llama? Would you ever want to eat a horse? And then the last one is mountain lion. Oh, my goodness. Mountain Lion's a big one. We'll have people come in asking for Mountain no, Lion. No, not, not me. I don't trust Mountain Lion. If you've ever cooked Mountain Lion, it changes colors midway through. Now, all uh, meat does, but it'll go from... Uh, I am not a fan of yeah, that. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I'm not a fan of cats either. I've eaten a lot of Mountain Lion. Yep. No Do you way. like it? Are so you, you, know, you know what? Well, you were the first one to ever shoot a Mountain Lion legally in yeah. the Black Hills. Yeah. You, were, you were on my radio show <laughs> that day you, after that. So, uh, you know what it does? It's perfect for jerky. I made, I made yeah. that... That big Seriously? Tom, I made yeah. it all into jerky. Yeah, I, wow. I yeah we I did a lot. Uh, Boy Scouts all ate it when I, when Jackson was in the Boy ah. Scouts. It's got a tough consistency. I'll say that. Yeah, it was good for jerky. That's uh, that was probably my favorite thing because you got to cook it. You know, I'm not a I'm not a cook it until it's you know You're not dead give three times later. In, in no, but that's that's where that's where the uh, jerky comes in handy. It's mm-hmm. perfect. You strip you know do strips and. People really don't appreciate the muscle structure of some of those animals too. Like you know, you take that hide off, those things are ripped. 
They got a lot oh, of yeah. a lion, going on. A lion, when you take a hide off a lion, it has a different it that shoulders just it, it looks like a human. It's like a bear. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It looks very bear totally does. Like those brown bear. Yeah, and, and and black bear, I mean a big black bear, you take the hide off and it looks a lot like a human. A lion, a big lion represents that too, because they got those big forearms. Yep. You know, you and you get all that off. And and when the paws are off, you can't tell that those wrists don't go to a hand. So it looks there's right. there's an eerie uh, comparable there that's just like, ugh, um, I don't know. Nope. So anyway, um, so we did this field to table, and so here's what we're doing. We decided that we would do it, and then I know we went to dinner that night because Brad and I, I, we have to tell you, we'll be honest, after when we had you come back in, on Saturday after they had left, mm-hmm. we didn't hear the enthusiasm we were looking for from you. Yeah, no. I think the biggest reason. <laughs> yeah, no. What does that mean? What does that <laughs> yeah, even mean? Means no. yes and no at the same time. <laughs> the biggest, the biggest aspect of it, and it was funny enough because I actually listened into your one of your zooms that you do, um, uh, for your other business that we were talking to, and you were talking about that. And you know, it's a great opportunity for people. I think the hardest part with me is the you're referencing our financial services. Business. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The 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 biggest thing that I had to take a step back and look at was. The classes are... Oh, you listened to that. Oh, yeah. I was listening. I was moving you out. Because there, there's always going to be two people in the class. Yep. There's going to be the yep. guy who knows everything, and then there's going to be the other one to tell everybody in class that you got to excuse know me. I'm still young. I, it takes at least three or four days <laughs> for information to reverb off my brain. No, I think, they're, I think they're really good. I think they're really fun. Like when you had... You were talking about that belly giggle. When you separated the scapula from the humerus on that front shoulder that almost nobody thinks about, it's like how many times do you guys see people a shot that you two can make like it's no other Tuesday, right? They make that shot, and it's awesome. It's the greatest experience in the world. How many times have you cut a humerus off a scapula when it comes to a whitetail? A trazillion. They've never seen that. When I pack them out, it's the first thing yeah. I do. What, what did they do? Flay off the shoulder. Well, you know what they do on I the elk. Remember. They just didn't know that that right. soft joint is easier than the hip joint because they knew about the hip joint popping mm-hmm. the hip off but a lot of people don't they don't know that that's you know the dislocated part of that shoulder is just the socket and that that literally that soft tissue around that pocket you know where it comes together there's and a space in there that you can yeah. just, that you just and, slice and these off. people were far far more skilled no the in, mcbrides were like yeah. way that like they, they was, live out of the field i was really surprised i was at impressed their, too. at their comfort level enjoyment dude their daughter's talent. just i know actually I was just son, about to say one of his one of her da- or one of their daughters just flipped it over and flayed off that silver skin off yep. that back strap and i was like what a job <laughs> <laughs> he did a pretty exactly. dang good these job these kids doing that. The, these kids their their boys are are 21 and 22 oh, 21 and 23 21 and 23 that's yep. right and they, they literally just i mean they grabbed a knife like they knew what they were doing yep. with just it went, and went to right to work yep. you know yep. and uh um and so but the fact of the matter is that um that what was i going to say belly giggle they've already done it oh when when they popped that off I just made reference, it, this is the best on elk because now you can lay that f- front leg onto the shoulder, lay them together, strap them to your uh, shelf pack or your frame pack or whatever you're taking them out, yep. and you don't have that arm, uh, that obtuse piece of bone and forearm sticking up there, that leg, grabbing on everything. You mean the other guts. Um, the other gut. <laughs> Brad, the other guts. So, And he was like, dude, how many times have I been doing that? And he's super advanced in yeah. what he's done. 
And and it was just so it's little things like that. It's like you know when we, at the shooting schools you make reference to that mm-hmm. when we take out the hammers mm-hmm. and show them how we use the hammers and packs, mm-hmm. they people just their so minds freak out. They're, they're like the oh, same thing. Never would have seen that. And they've had sticks and they've had packs, mm-hmm. but they've never put the two together. Going back to how crazy competent the McRides were when we were doing um, and not to give too much about the farm to table course, but when we were doing those lambs, we were breaking off those legs and they were like, oh yeah, we already know how to do that. I was like, because you, you do get the hardest part is you'll have a lot, especially around the hills. You'll have a lot of people go out, and you got to think. You save up all these preference points for these tags. It's either a once-in-a-lifetime or twice-in-a-lifetime hunt. Right. You can't really go out and go, hey, you know what? Let's go out every, every especially season. Especially with elk. And we're going to practice. Elk, yeah. you, you just And elk are overwhelming when they hit the ground if you don't know where to break them down. Oh, God, yeah. You get it back in some brush like that, and that's the hardest part too because you almost hear these, uh, I'd say almost a horror story about – the ability, I, I love this story. We had these, these um, it was this husband and wife combo, and uh, the wife was the, she was the hunter, and her husband brought her out, and he had already shot one a couple of years prior, but they both came in with their little Toyota Tacoma that they had packed this thing out. They had packed seven and a half miles back, just backpack with these things, and they had the leg all the way from the front shoulder all the way up that arm with the hoof attached, the whole thing, <laughs> two of them packed. And all the and then and because they, they didn't have a saw and they didn't know how to do that they, they didn't, didn't know, know how, how to do those. it so they don't have a saw mm-hmm. and then they don't know where that soft joint's at and mm-hmm. how to pop them and most people go down way too far down on that joint you know it's they're the biggest into that because when like, well, I show people working. that they go I know how to do it and then I watch them mess around I'm like you want me to help you like let's go up three more inches towards its hoof mm-hmm. and hit the soft end of it and then it pops right off and people are like, oh, wow. So the field, the table's designed to teach these small nuances that make a giant difference. Even, so I, I had a great mentor, Randy Duncan. Uh, the first year I shot, we cut it up in his garage. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, that's just, that was the only way. He, I mean, he survived off all that wild meat and everything. When I have somebody who knows exactly what they're doing, even like that that back well, joint, when you said, here's an easy way to look for it, look for this little knob here. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. Because I've missed, you know how many times I've missed that? That knob, right. I've missed that so, that's so what, many times. So that's what the field to yeah. table was for, was here you got a guy that's learned how to do it and done a 1,000 this last year. So over the three years you did it, you did 304 the first year, you did 570 the next year, mm-hmm. and you did 900. Mm-hmm. So that's 14 plus three. Let's just say 17, let's say 1,800 animals in three years. Yep. That's probably getting close to being an outlier and knowing almost as much as your dad. <laughs> I don't know about that. Still don't have the degree, right? And that's the thing. No, it's uh, busted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just got to keep a little bit of an edge It's always on him. that, right? A little elbow into him. It is something that, um, especially when you get into it and you go into wild game season, the one thing you want to do is be prepared. Um, you can shoot into a target 1,500 times. You can take a shot X amount of times. The one thing that you can't practice is gutting. You can't practice taking it apart in the field, deboning if you're crossing state lines. And when it comes down to that, after you make the shot, every hunter knows it's not over. It's definitely not over. And now you have to harvest this animal correctly while saving all the meat, go through this whole process. I mean, I always love stories when people are like, yeah, we were waiting to shoot right at uh, nightfall. And it's like you were shooting an elk. There's, you're going to get home at two. 
You're you're getting yeah, back to the lucky. shop at two. <laughs> if you're lucky. Yeah. So so why don't well, you, you tell me? I, I interrupted you. You didn't finish the story. Uh-huh. So the husband wife come in. I was there that day. I'll never forget it. And uh, um, I was just down there critiquing, telling what to do, and leaving, mm-hmm. um, which I do really well. Oh, the couple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so, so the couple. I remember the. Uh, yeah, she was very contentious. Oh, she was. She she. You know what she was? She was frustrated because her husband said, "Hey, go hell, cunning." Um, this is the greatest thing that for our relationship, it'll end up perfect. You'll have a bunch of fun time, right? <laughs> I don't know the whole story because obviously I didn't check up on him, but they either went straight to the, the, uh, attorneys or, attorneys. Yep, or they went to marriage counseling. They, <laughs> no way. they were tearing each other apart because of course it's his fault, but then it's her fault. And then it's all, yeah, it was ended well, up at the end of the day. They had great product, but it's just, and they did it correctly. That was the thing. They, they were sweating. They were hustling. They were trying to get it in, but they did it incorrectly. And this was <laughs> rifle season? This they did it correctly season. from a perspective that they wanted to bring all the meat back and they wanted to hurry to get to the butcher shop to get it cool. Yep. yep. They did it incorrectly in the fact With that, the whole leg. that he yep. had drew one tag. If I remember the story right, he was telling it. Mm-hmm. I had drawn a tag, and we had killed it, but it was only a few hundred yards off the road. Yeah. And then and I told her it wasn't going to be that hard, and then we killed this thing back, and then we missed our road, so we walked all the way around the point of the mountain to come back, and it was, ended up was, being five and a half, six miles. I was trying miles. to figure out where the seven and a half miles yeah, came no, from. It was yeah, hard. no, really. It's hard. But We're it is in, and it isn't. These hills. It is and it isn't, Brad. Because the hills are the easiest place I've found to get lost in in the dark. Super easy to get lost because in. Because they're the not you don't they're have, not these mountains. Yeah, you don't have a giant up and down advantage spot that you can reference off of. And, it's and re- one it's, drainage is dumping into another drainage. Now, the, the hills are not It's as gotten easy. a heck of a lot easier with the advent of GPSs, i got to tell you that. 100%. But here you got a husband and right. wife that missed their mark, one around the mountain. No, I, do, I was just wondering where they shot it at that they had a seven and a half because – there's not a lot of places that no. you can go seven and a half miles and without not get a road. closer to another right. road. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality was is whatever it was that they thought they had in their they mind was that they did. Yeah, they and did they were not <laughs> happy get with it. each other. But the fact of the matter is, when they, uh, you know, and and we're having a little fun with the fact that they were at each other's throat because I do remember um, he was super proud of his wife. Oh yeah, and she had killed a really nice bull, mm-hmm. and it was probably that. It, you know what it was? It was a uh, a big short beam bull. It was probably that three ten three twenty bull. But it was short beam, super heavy long porns. You know what I'm saying? And 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 the, it seems like the Black Hills has that. I saw a, a, quite a few of those come in this year. They're like, wow, that's a good bull. But then you're like, ooh, those are 46 inch beams. You know what I'm saying? But it had good mass and it had good, uh, uh, you know, time length and. That is true. You get a lot of mass, especially around those bases. But what you don't get is like, like your yeah. You guys don't get like what you guys have hanging up right now. We're pointing. Just, we're pointing sorry, at the yeah. New Mexico Bulls. <laughs> it's just the overall size. Mm-hmm. I, another story it was crazy. It was, do you remember? You get that two years later with a lot of heavy uh, yeah. um, uh, mass to it. Do you? Uh, Sophie's husband, Matt. He got these guys in. He actually has a picture if you ever want to see it. Um, these guys from Kentucky came in. Uh, for a Wyoming bull, shot one, right? Stop by the shop. We got to be fairly careful because a lot of people listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh no, this is so. Yeah, this one. So they they come in. Well, this will show you. They showed up in a Prius because it's the most uh, <laughs> it's the most gas efficient hunting truck there is or hunting vehicle. 
at the end of the trip, they had the antlers. Or yeah, they had the antlers actually tied to the top of it. It was it was oh. hilarious. But they did had, you take a picture of it? Matt here, I can. National National Lampoon. Oh, you cannot <laughs> imagine this. Shit. You see, they you shot see. three bulls. <laughs> They had them all over. It looked like a Christmas tree going on in their Prius. It was oh hilarious. They had the backs pushed down because they were sleeping oh in it. They were sleeping in the they Prius? They were sleeping in the Prius, yep. Oh my These guys shot a – do you remember? I, I remember. I sent them up here. Yeah. They yes. had, what did they end up shooting? They I, ended up shooting I, a really nice bull, but the problem oh, was – I met them. Yes, you did. Yeah, that they was were, two they years ago. They came in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, shot, they shot a nice 320 bull. Mm -hmm. Right. With, and it was during archery season. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. No, but that's that's. Well, so those guys, them. they broke all their, they broke their elk down, and mm -hmm. they got it because that's the problem. It, during archery elk season, especially early archery elk season, it can be ninety degrees. Still hot. Early, like that Labor Day weekend, it can mm -hmm. be ninety-five. Yep. Now, but you get a pie, it's cooler. But you got to you got to get it broken down. So what what are the biggest things that you see with people? coming in what what are things that would help them if they were more comfortable with Noah because you saw 900 and some headed mm -hmm. wild game come in this what's year? the number one thing that uh, makes meat spoil meat spoil oof heat yeah I was about to say heat or uh, in the field maybe bloat right they yeah, just don't tend blow, to yeah, just a ton but yeah no heat heat's a huge one you got to realize these animals can sit in negative degree weather Walk, stand up, shake it off afterwards. That hide needs to come off. Especially the elk. 100%. Yeah. Those neck, it's, it's most of the spoilage that we see is in the, either in the neck or the front shoulders. Mm -hmm. That hide has to come off almost instantaneously after you get that. Because so, you can trim afterwards. You can't get away what we consider it. It's called bone sour. It's when those, there's heat inside the actual muscle, and those bones never cool down. And it never gets out. So yep. the, the, the meat never gets a chance to cool, and the bone's trying to get rid of its heat, mm -hmm. and then it sours the meat on top of it because the meat can't get rid of it. So you, you have a bone from the sour. inside instead and of the outside end. it's a very distinct it. yep. smell. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? You know a bone sour smell when you smell it. One of the questions that Bleep has here that we get um, that we're going to do, uh, we won't do this one, we'll do it now, is field dressing. The question that we had from you, our audience listeners, is if you don't remove the windpipe when field dressing a deer, will it spoil <laughs> your meat? The answer to the question is not as much as the hide does on your back. Because people, it, it's an old, uh, is it wives' tale or wives'? Wives. It's wives. wives' tale. It's an old wives' tale. Because I've seen, I've seen outfitters go, got to get it all the way up the chin, open that up because it'll mm, spoil. On a cape. And, and I'm like, Dude, that esophagus <laughs> yeah. is not what's going to spoil no. it. It's the back of the neck in uh, all that because that that's where that mane's at on all of the animals. Yeah. That's what's going to spoil mm, it. That makes sense. Now, mm. if you get the if you get the windpipe out because you're not you're not going to uh, mount it, well then it doesn't hurt nothing to get the windpipe out because opening that up to let the air out, you know, the heat out is a good thing, but the windpipe is not what's creating the spoilage. It's not enough density in it. It's just cartilage. Not enough dense. Yeah, usually, as soon as we get to so hide So hopefully that off, answered somebody's question. Yeah. Well, I think it did. We've shot a lot of elk in, in hot conditions, early September, mm -hmm. archery elk season. As soon as – I'm not worried. I mean, we'll go – you know, some people say, man, it's going to be too hot to go hunting this, this weekend. Well, as soon as you get that elk – just get, you the, get hide the hide off. off. You just get the hide off. You're right. You got to let the meat's got to have all the that, that heat come out of it anyway. And so it's where it never gets a chance to come out that it starts spoiling from within. Um, so uh, you made a good point. What you can go that? shoot a thousand rounds. Yep. 
you can go shoot a thousand arrows. You can't gut a thousand deer. You can't. You can't practice cutting down a backstrap a thousand times. That's why we thought that this field to table would be a good thing. The other reason is that our slow season for it's our busy season because we process for ranchers. Yep. But we would like to get away from processing for ranchers at our personal butcher shop. That's another podcast. And and <laughs> probably not. <laughs> uh, but that's for um, in in you know the end of February, March, and April. Mm-hmm. We thought we would demo this class to see if you could run it for eight students, mm-hmm. have a laminated binder book, yep, and show them how to break down the carcass, give them the experience. So now they couldn't do a thousand. Um, you know, gutic jobs, but they could go home with a reference point that had basically a dot to dot of a wild game animal. And what we did, just so everybody knows that's listening, is we went and got, um, you called a rancher. I said, I need some mature lambs, but I don't want them big. And I was on the phone when you called the rancher. And he goes, well, I got some uh, year old buck lambs. And I asked if they were virgins. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason being is, is you really don't want them to go into rut. Because um, they get all muscular. Yeah, they get all muscular <laughs> and they get all musky. The, yep. the meat, the meat definitely turns um, once they went through that. Um, so he had some, and he says, "I have them every year that you guys could get," and uh, um, and it was cool for the McBrides because they had horns on them. Um, Why is that cool for them? Well, because they're 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 hunters. You yeah. Know what well, what else? Oh, they wanted those. They wanted those. <laughs> they, they wanted. Did to you get those? Boil to those them? skulls. Oh yeah, I give okay, them all cool. to them. So anyway, um, I think that's a that's a. What what was the example? And maybe this is out of touch and tell me to stop at any point. But I think something I brought up to the farm to table um, was that the fact if you break down the price point of all this too it's not only just for hunters if you wanted to come in as like a family and you were like hey i'd love to know how to harvest an animal i'd love to how to break it down i'd love to have put fresh meat in my freezer it, it's if you go into the grocery store it's if you, it's literally going to the grocery store and you'd have 80 pounds of meat well i think the trend too in today's society a lot of people are buying hobby farms they want to know where their meat comes from they want to know what they uh, uh, how to handle it mm-hmm. the problem is, is that they go home and they don't know how to um extract protein when they make sausage mm-hmm. and i sent you guys that tagline because brad goes okay ex- uh, okay extract <laughs> protein um you keep saying that what what's what's our approach there what what is the thought behind it well extracting protein it's no different than making bread. You have to knead it. You have to, you know, let it raise. There's, there's a process to it. Most people think you throw a seasoning in, you do this, you do this, put it in the smokehouse, and uh, it should taste like this. And there's, a, there's more of a process. So in that class, you actually taught them how to make sausage. We did. And I and, think and in the field of table we're going to. Yeah, and it was, it was neat because that's, uh, that's something that people just don't understand. They, they think throw that – because I've done it both ways, and this is by far my favorite when you guys do it for me. <laughs> Glad. But, Makes it uh, taste like you bought it from a store. But, but when, we, when we did it by hand, yeah. um, it, it was impressive at how long – because we put ice water yep, in that the ice with the seasoning. And you would mash that stuff. And we there was three of us, and we took turns and just going through all that. Yeah, it was Trampus, you and I, and our hands were cramping up like crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yep. You know, I mean, just kneading that meat and trying to get that those seasoned, you know, and get that meat, that uh, seasoning mix yeah. all through there where that 
create the osmosis process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to get that protein extracted. You got to get that muscle membrane adhering to the seasoning. And so you can start extracting the muscle, you know, even though you're grinding it, you want to pull that protein out and get that seasoning into it. And it's got to permeate in there or you won't, you you just, it won't happen. And you needed that, you need that cold enough. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You, especially when you did it by hand because we, we you guys you don't, don't have it. the speed to do it otherwise. yeah yeah so <laughs> I, I, it's a catch-22 i way way prefer the mixer when we bought the butcher shop <laughs> when we bought the butcher shop the the sausage that would come out would be super inconsistent yeah so i said what was your what, what's your guys's uh, uh what's your guys's mixing formula and and what's the process and they'd be like well we just dump it in there add this 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 and this and then uh mix it up and stuff it and i'd be like sometimes it crumbles sometimes it doesn't um you can't do that does so that make sense your, so we teach that your mixer class. that you have you have a commercial mixer obviously commercial, yes yes sir. and that probably is that 20 minutes of mixing even in the commercial or is it 15 F- fresh how much is it fr- fresh sausage is 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 about 15 15 yeah and then is and it, then yeah. the uh, that's and with the smoke it sausage. yeah with it running yeah yep. and the smoke sausage is you know uh y- y- probably 20 it's 20. not four minutes. No, <laughs> it's not. It's no, not. no, I didn't time it. So what we want to do is be able to put that uh, that protein, that that new piece of protein that's its own entity now. Uh-huh. Grab it, put it on the back of your hand, and it should it, it should. Because you always use the phrase "extract the protein," and it yeah. never made sense in my brain. I, I don't now get it, it does, doesn't it? Well, it's a because it, then I looked it up, and it's it's an accepted terminology 100 percent. i mean it's what you, you didn't taught just, in meat school. i figured you just made that crap up and i was oh like well God. i don't like it <laughs> just like just like speaking spanish i was an idiot uh, <laughs> until it no, came in useful <laughs> but i don't under i still don't understand extracting the protein it's more of imparting the seasoning into yeah. the protein well so the way they look at it is you're you're taking the protein in that muscle and you're bringing it out and you're smashing it enough and creating a basically a dough ball out of yeah. it and it's becoming its own you know what I'm yeah, saying? It's, it's it, some sort of a uh, you know a wedding angle on that the it, seasoning well, it is. on it's the protein salt is what, and yeah. seasoning mixture that is appropriate to how much meat you have, and if you don't have that balance right, that you know it's just not right. But you spent a lot of time showing them because you you'd open it up and stop at different points right, and say, okay, now you can see this, you can see how this this is inadequate still. And you don't normally do that. I mean, in no. the course of a day, you don't. You, you guys no, we have don't a formula. Do, we you, don't do yeah. any of that. We just go to work on it. But, but you showed them. Class, yeah, yeah. you'd stop here and you'd look at it and say, "Okay, you, you, this is what I'm looking for. It's not there yet, so we need to spend more time." Mm-hmm. And and I think you did that two or three times, which was valuable for them because then it was like you didn't go from start to finish. You went from start. Okay, and we're going to stop now, and I'm going to show you this, and then you went a little farther. And you could see now, and, and a lot of people, I don't know how many people are going to want to try to make their own sausage and stuff like that. Because the other secret weapon that you guys have is that big, gnarly, giant smoker that I unloaded with oh, yeah. the biggest skid steer that they make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, but you could do that in a Bradley. Y- yeah, I suppose. And you can do this with home mixing stuff. It's just going to take more elbow grease. Yeah. And, you know, you're not going to put 75 pounds. But I got to tell you, I even bitch at Noah sometimes because if I go in there and because Noah sometimes likes to just go right up to the max of what the mechanical uh, limit is of a certain said piece of equipment. They make the rules for a reason. And, uh, <laughs> and it just pisses it me off because I'm like, Noah, just because it can do 75 Before, pounds. Oh, Damn it. I was just about to say, hypothetically, you saw the you saw the mixer, right? How yeah, much yeah. do you think you could put in there? He said seventy five pounds, right? Well, I assume the there's a end. fill line oh, wait, in there. See, that's the funny part because there's really not. It's all about <laughs> how much you can throw. It, it, the, it, you can put it all the way up to the top and sling it through. I, really I, I have pounds. I have no yeah. idea. That there's got to be some some element of not full because mm-hmm. you want to be able to have that turnover. Otherwise, I would think that I don't know. I would guess it's sixty percent of that. Thing. So I got to tell you, so my measuring stick is I like to do 25-pound batches in there mm-hmm. because the reason being is I could show them, I could lift the lid on it, and I could take my hand, and the proteins, the muscle, that it's that's the butcher uh, sausage maker word for it, the proteins that were pushed up that didn't get mixed in and kneaded in into the batter was on that rim, and I could take that, and I can rim that out, throw that back in there, and then look, and then 10 minutes later, I can go back in there and look at what they've pushed up and see where that's at, mm-hmm. and um, and you can't see that when there's 75 pounds wedged in that sh- Well, you guys, you had a lot, a lot to cover in that class. The things that were, even, even skinning the animal, I think, and they've skinned a lot of animals, mm-hmm. And it was well, like, saw, oh, that's, how, that's you, how you do it. Right. Oh. Oh, that, that makes sense. And then the torching afterwards. Yeah, because torching was a, nice was a giant thing, and you just take it for granted. Because, right. like, well, when are we torching? I'm like, whoa, whoa, that. whoa. So, yeah. So we, tor- so we torch all our animals. I've done that since the day I got out of uh, uh, meat school. And in meat school, we did it. And, and what that is is when we pull the hides off. Now, we pull the hides off um, from back legs down so you don't cut around that neck and you create all that extra hair. And there's arguments both ways on that. But doing it from neck down is wrong. Um, so it just is what it is. Um, but uh, anyway, but you can do it that way. If that's the way your dad always did it, you know, that's the way grandma always made her hams too. She cut the ends off of it because she had a small kitchen. You, the main thing uh, is get the hide off. Get the hide there's off. A re- the reason that you do it that way. We take a propane. Yeah torch and we light it and then what we do is we burn all the hair especially when you field dress them that flank the inside of the hams the front legs the neck the behind legs there's hair all over it well when we started when Lindley and I started our first processing business we said there's going to be absolutely zero hair in our product we're going to guarantee them so and I wanted no hair in my cutting ta- in my cutting room. So we just torched everything, and we would just take that torch and literally burn all the hair off of it. And people go, "Aren't you going to hurt the meat?" Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to say. Not at all. Yeah, no, not at all. It's, I mean, if you're we, processing it. It's it's quick. I mean, the hair burns up. It's just just evaporate. like that. I mean, it's you know, you know a, a half a second. A, a thing of water, cold water. And you can touch the pan. Right, it's the exact same thing. Uh, that meat's cold enough at that point okay, where you will be able see. to. And even if it's not. You're not you're not asking if it's going to be medium you're not rare, cooking or rare. It. yeah. You just <laughs> and you'll see the hair sizzle. It's the exact same thing as if you put a torch in your arm. But that smells good. Well, you know oh. what? The, oh yeah, <laughs> it does not smell good. But it's better than having it in your wrapping. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, there's nothing worse than when a housewife or uh, you know the the cook in the family opens a package of deer 
and or elk and there's three gross long hairs in it you know what i'm saying in the package and you're like what the hell mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and nobody like so then they wonder why they don't like wild game and so we try to extract all those variables out of uh the process before it gets to the cutting table and they they were they, they were like no way that makes so much sense yeah but separating the muscles um they were they were more seasoned at doing this than anybody else you'll have in that class i think 100% i don't think you'll get another class with that much knowledge and skill i mean they did it it's a family affair um they just tear into stuff and they cut all their own meat up so but this will be this will help them be better processors oh for sure and we're going to have them on to do this so, but, but breaking the animal down, it, it seemed like there was immense value for them in that. Um, there was value in even skinning it. There was value in how, how you pop the legs off. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the first day we did the, and we're, we, we did the, uh, um, we did it just like we would do a deer. Yep. We, we, we make their fresh sausage. We do the fresh grind. Yep. And then the second day they came back and they stuffed out whatever links um, we didn't get stuffed, and then they made their summer sausage, and they made jalapeno um, cheddar salami. The breakdown thing. And then is, we put it in the smokehouse. Yeah, the, saw it all. The breakdown thing just popped in my head. This is two years ago. I was fiddling around trying to get those back teeth out because you either have whistlers in an elk or you'll have those front two teeth, and that's required for CWD control through the GFP. You showed me the quickest way possible to take a tooth out. The same way you extract all your teeth, right? And you were like, hey, just do this. Doom, boom, and popped it out, right? Oh, he never did that to me. He used a hammer and, and a No, board. no, no. I use a hammer and a board on the, the <laughs> on Whistlers. Yeah, on it's me. The, on the, the Yeah, he did that to bottom, me, too. Yeah. My wisdom tooth through a hammer. <laughs> but the example. <laughs> Ouch. The example yeah, right. I was using. <laughs> Put you in a Novocaine. Yeah, yeah no, no, he forgot to. No. So, anyway. <laughs> the reason I like that is because. <laughs> When he's really sassy, it might be the right <laughs> hook. <laughs> How come when I woke up, I was like both my cheeks were swollen up black and blue? Like a pumpkin. Dr. Brad, what happened? Uh, no, the it's the it's the thousand times he's done it, the showing something else, the that little convenience that makes it that much easier. Right. The thing that always the hurts. The nuance that yep. makes it simple. The, the, the one thing, and you asked in the beginning, what's the one thing that I see that's always – it's a big challenge a big challenge when you come in is when someone has a game bag they went and got one of the kuyu game bags they went and got a game bag from cabela's right and they went out they shot this animal and they took a knife and there's fifteen thousand different little pieces in there where you could tell that they were just like oh i gotta save this gotta save this gotta save this and it wasn't because they were trying to be oh i gotta save all this meat it's because they were breaking it down incorrectly you can take that back strap you know you know you can take that back strap down in two seconds. Just make a cut at that pin bone, pull it all the way down. All the way down the neck. If you get yep. the, if you get the front legs off, you that that back strap runs all the way up into the neck, and so that's just a, if you cut those on an elk, off, that's a four foot piece of yeah. meat. If you cut those rounds off the uh, leg bone like that, yeah. how much meat should be on that bone? There's absolutely zero. There's none. None. Is you just take it out. The and, hard and part is. And if you is, hit the pin bone yep. on the on the uh, on the uh, um, loin, yep. you can strip it all the way down to the neck just as long as you have shoulders. There's around. always more to learn on the sirloin when Brad does it than when one of you two do, <laughs> do it. <though>. Just t- <laughs> just saying. That's how you use a scene with your knife. Yeah. <laughs> you all, you little sh- that, That's my nemesis right oh. there. You know what? I'm going to show you the trick next time. No, yeah. It, you've you showed know, me. Well, you know what me. it is? It's, it's okay, so it's, it's right by the sphincter. Mm-hmm. You, you don't start up high enough. Oh, you, start, you start too low in, inside the hip where you pop, yeah, where yeah. You pop, the, where you pop that 
that I don't know what ball joint, joint. That, that ball joint. Yep, that hip Because you hit that every time, perfect. And then you go from there right out. Yeah, I get yep. to the hard. No, part. you got to go up. The hard part. You got to go way up to the butt and then come in where that where so that, that half a moon and that that uh, right yeah. where that pelvic bone comes. Because I always in there. leave yeah. an inch. No, an no. inch on that very top. Once yeah, you yeah. get past, like, once it. you get past that uh, that back orifice, you should be able to pull it, and it lit that sirloin tears off. It'll, it'll fall off just yep. like your loin in the front of that pin yeah, bone. Because I wouldn't mind bone. having everything perfect at some <laughs> point in my life. <laughs> you, you know what? To, to, here's, here's a guy. I, I got, you got to give it to Brad because here's a guy that is uh, obviously uh, highly educated. Uh, you know, Dr. Brad has his dental practice. Has a and, knife in his hand and, for a long time. And you come down after wearing scrubs all day, have no problem rolling up your sleeves, jumping in, say, boys, where can I help you? Yep. And it's, it's, it's fun, and we love having you in. And you're, you're, you're an amazing butcher. If you ever get tired of pulling teeth and uh, um, setting <laughs> implants, let us know. The, Got the, a job for you. The only, the only thing is, and I, I have a, a heavy request on the – the uh, music selection. Yeah, sometimes the, oh. these young guys oh. can get a little out of. Out yeah, of, the music, uh, the, the, the music there. in the butcher shop gets <laughs> a little out of sorts. Because they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, your dad's got the, the Sunday." Or was it Saturday? Saturday. Oh, your dad's got the playlist. That was one of the McBrides, the the second youngest son. He's like, I was like, "What do you listen to usually?" We can throw some music. Sturgill on. Goes, Simpson. I like uh, Waylon Jennings. I like Johnny Cash. I was like, "Oh, I got a song for you." And then all of a sudden, Brian <laughs> speaks up in the back. Oh yeah, I love this music. This is <laughs> great. Walker. Oh. Walker. He's a I'm like, oh, Walker, turn this crap off. Exactly. <laughs> Putting real music on oh, now. I'm here. That's no. my request. You want my help? We're listening to real music, man. So, so <laughs> I have a question that I wanted to, um, I wanted a listener to ask. Um, what are the pros and what are the cons of game bags? And what do you see? Um, what do you, what do you think of game bags? Audio sigh. Um, my hardest part with game bags is, first of all, God gifted an animal a game bag. The main use for a game bag, other than carrying it, which most of the time you should have a pack on, the real reason for a game bag is to keep everything out of the meat, right? Once you take that hide off, right, you separate that hide if you want it to aerate, you can throw that hide back on for a second, especially if you're packing, packing out. Now, if you have to use a game bag, I totally understand. Right, because you want to get the heat out. It's yep, hot. You want to so get the heat out. a game bag for yep. a reason. But at the same time, after that heat's gone, let's say it's late at night and you're packing it out, right, and it's a, opposed, it's a December day, right? It's a December night. Throw that hide back on. It protects. It does stuff. The problem with the game bag is it gives people the false sense of security that the meat is 100% okay. How many times have you been driving around in your car and then all of a sudden a fly's in there? And you're like, I have the windows up and the door's closed. How the hell did a fly get in here? Those game bags, I mean, I've opened up game bags before where there's just blow everything that you could possibly not want in your meat is sitting there. And you don't think of it because it's in the game bag. That being said, right. game bags are great for packing. In my opinion, I'm not a fan of them. Um, yeah. So, I, I would. I w- can I add to that? 100. percent And you so, hunt a lot more than me. I just know the 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 wild game processing side of it. What I would. So say. I think there's a place for game bags, and I think trash. I think they they get overused in the central or the eastern west, and maybe just the west. <laughs> eastern <period>. west. <laughs> what is that? The eastern what part the of the west. The of the west. Okay. The eastern part of the west. The eastern slope of the Rockies. Okay, gotcha. Does that make sense? Uh, It seems like, and we see a lot of game from it. So that's maybe it's all over out west. I don't know. I'm just giving you what we see from Montana, Wyoming, and Colorado, and South Dakota coming to us. Mm -hmm. People are game bag junkies. Yeah, 
junkies. I mean, it's like it's like they they I got a game bag. I put it in the game bag. Okay, so mm, that's good. Here's the problem: game bags are meat wasters. Because the cloth ones. Because too. you by the time we peel it off, there's a crust on that sucker. Mm. It's going to have to be reskinned anyway. And a lot of times, because they got soupy and sloppy, and you didn't get them dried out well, now we peel them off, and we have to cut a inch of circumference around the whole thing that was touching the game bag off to get to good red meat to to, to feed it to you. Mm-hmm. And then so people see this big leg come in with their game bag on it, and they go, praise Jesus, I got 400 pounds of meat. And we're going, <laughs> holy hell, we got to cut off 120 pounds of meat. And there's a distinct – separation in the thought process of the guy dropping the meat off that's looking at all what he just shoved in a game bag and what the butcher sees when he looks at the game bag. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is helping. No. Well, I, I get it. My, my, Because I, I use game bags, but I use them in my pack. If I'm packing it, I always have those two great big yep. contracts. Mm-hmm. You've seen me rip those suckers out how yep. many times. Yep. And, and, and the meat goes in raw in, the ga- in my pack plastic garbage bag the contractor's bag in my pack if i have to but what i like a game bag for is if i have my horse and and then i peel the hide off and say that again so 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 you don't use one in your backpack you use the what i use a plastic contractor's bag the big heavy one the 30 gallon heavy sometimes bigger than that yeah Yeah. and now when i get when i get to where i'm going i'm i will take the meat out of my contract and then i put it in a game bag and then i hang it Mm. In a tree or something that's, like that. Oh, and then that's, you let air get all the way around. Well, a lot of times, a lot of times. What we see, Brad, is yeah. that, and I think what Brad, uh, uh, what's your name? Noah, thanks. <laughs> no, um, my first kid. My oldest, <laughs> my oldest son. What Noah is saying. Kid, what's your and, name? And so is because, and, and Noah's in a tough place because he comes in and his dad's got a meat science degree and he's crazy. Uh, oh, I, I don't want to sound pretentious, but I hunt all over and I've spent all these times in the field, right? And, and you and I come in and we know what we want and we know where we're at with this. And then everybody else comes in with game bags and I tell them, we're done taking game bags. I, if somebody comes in with the game bags, you rip them off before they leave and throw the meat away because we're done having this conversation about how much meat you're going to lose. Because what they think and what I've had to learn and Noah's helped me with is that when people put it in a game bag, they really think that they've just created a, uh, a barrier a that's thing impervious, in the world, that, that can't be penetrated. And so then they just stack meat on top of meat on top of meat, and they go, it's in game bag. You just <laughs> said, though, the greatest thing that most people don't do, when you get back to a place that you're comfortable with, you take it out of your game bag into a cooler. Out of the garbage bag. Or the garbage bag. Put it in bag. a game bag and let well, it air out. And a lot of times we'll hang it. We'll hang, we'll hang the stuff in the tree yep. and let the and let the it crust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, like at night, a lot of times we'll put it in. in uh, and a lot of times they'll, they'll have those little, uh, you know, uh, well, sometimes I'll carry the rope with the uh, fluorescent stuff that you can see with your light. Or a lot of times some of these game bags will have, the, have, it, right. have that reflector stuff on it. Yep just so you can see it when you're coming into camp. But that's when I use a game bag, or that's when we like to. But so I don't, that's, that yeah. would be actually the appropriate thing. So with the windpipe, the best thing I could tell you with the game bag is the game bag isn't the cure-all, end-all. And it's, it, I don't think it's the first thing you should dump your meat in, especially if you're backpacking it out. So, what, so you got this, let's say the hind. 
And let's say a hind on a deer weighs, what, um, 18 pounds, let's say. Okay, I don't know, tw- maybe 20. All right, so you put that hind in a garbage bag, and then that weight sits on your back, and then you maybe you put the front shoulder on top of it in another a garbage bag, and now you have all that weight pushing on itself on your back. Mm. What, what happens to all the blood in that meat? What happens to it? Gravity. Gravity. Gravity always wins. So when you pull it out of your garbage bag, what's usually the bottom of that garbage bag full of? Yeah, it's full of blood. Which is fortuitous in what you're looking for to get it into the game bag. Now you've gotten rid of maybe a pound, pound and a half of blood that had heat in it. And you've pushed it out. Now you take that hind leg out and you put that in its own game bag and you hang it up. Well, all that blood is out of it. And now you have something that can get a crust on it. And then the bag will peel off of it because that blood's not, it's not soaking up the blood. And then it's extracting protein into fiber and it's all one. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then they can't even get it off. They have to cut the damn bag. Game bag. Well, I know the, I know game bags are the butcher's nemesis. I know every time I go down there, it's like, ah. <laughs> and I get it because, well, especially with what we see in there, I usually use them with my horses because I like to just, it, it, for me, it keeps the, you know, they're not hitting, the meat's not hitting my saddle blankets and crap like and that. But, and just by the way, dirty. I don't want to say game bags are bad, but no, they, not at you, all. you hate game? them. You hate them because most people don't use them the right way because they think they're a magic armor. Yep. So it's, how would you do it alternatively? I do it what Brad just said. He, he just gave the perfect description. Yep. You pa- it. If you're going to pack it out, pack it out. Now, if you're going to put it on a horse in a pannier, okay, well then put it in your, uh, put it in your game bag, put it in your horse, and it's going to bleed out in the bottom of that bucket and then take it out and hang it up. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to take the game bag off and put another game bag on it. How about rotating these game bags? Does that make sense? Because you can wash them. You know, what, what drives me crazy from the owner of the butcher shop or the investment banker um, of the butcher <laughs> shop, what drives me crazy is when I go down there and they have game bags tagged. Mm-hmm. Well, Jerry's picking this back up. Bob's picking it back up. You know what? Fuck you that. Bob's not picking them back up. Jerry's not picking them back. Sorry. Well, you guys, um, you guys can't have nine hundred nope. head of animals come in and then police everybody's and then game bag police, and coolers. Police the hundred and eighty people's game or bags. The, the I mean, second biggest thing out by, uh, outside of game bags. I don't mean to talk, but what's the next one you hate? Are you, hate Timmy. What do I hate? You hate the the coolers. The Packing it in. The oh yeah. So that's another. Thing. <laughs> I know. Well, the, I know three of the big. I I know the three <laughs> things that. <laughs> There's so much. Urinate. <laughs> There's, it's a false sense of security people Urinate get about. Urinate your cornflakes. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's a false sense so. of security that people build upon themselves, first of all, with the game bags, second of all, the coolers. Now, if you're worried. The it's f- a cooler, so it has to keep it cool. Let's the, just throw 50 pounds of meat in yeah. there and one, one chunk of ice. And people are either naive about it or they're so uncomfortable with it, they'll never put their meat in a cooler. The McBride said something. I forget her name, but the mother's name. or the mother, Sherry, Sherry, was it? Shelly. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, we cut out a tenderloin to one of those lambs, right? It wasn't cleaned the best on the and inside. And we're going to have the McBrides on here. Yes. Because this would be actually a good pre They can yell at me for bringing them keep, yeah, to keep talking about the thing. But it was, it was awesome. So either way, um, tenderloin. We took it out, right? It was still in the lamb. Blood on it. I cut it out. Literally walked over to the sink. Started washing it off with my hands. And her first response is, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? Right. They were worried about do, the water. Yep. Do not no. waterlog that meat. Meat is a lot – now, meat is a, a fickle thing because you don't want to abuse it. But at the same time, it's a hardy thing. You can run water under it 
What you don't want to do is leave it in your cooler with two bags of 16-pound ice for the weekend because your coolers are not that good. <laughs> and then bring it in and say, I don't care up, what the marketing says. It's going to be waterlogged. Yep, you're going to have a lot of waterlogged. But rinsing it, well, even when you grab the, even when you grab the hose and started washing those Whoa, whoa what are you doing? <laughs> are you putting water on that? Yeah. i got to tell you, in the butcher shop, when you get done killing them in, in college, Brand first off. thing you did was hose them all off before they went in the cooler. After. Well, as an observer, that's – that that's another thing that mm-hmm. the butchers don't like is the coolers, the game bags, the water. I the I I mean we've always just done that, but I've seen people get. But you throw careful. the ice in this Randy Duncan that I never met. Randy right? Randy Duncan, because you've learned a lot since we've done doing this together. Yeah. But you had an unbelievable perspective of how to handle the meat from a perspective from most people because you always knew to throw ice in the cavity not ice on the outside. Does that make sense? And uh, um, so the ice in the cavity was always the really good thing. But these people cut it up, and then they throw ice in it, and they put the meat on the bottom. Mm -hmm. My argument would be, and what I would suggest for a tip for everybody, was take your ice and take it out of your bag and put it in Ziploc bags, great big ones. Lay it flat in the bottom of your cooler so it's distributed flat. Then take a garbage bag, put it on top of the ice. Then put your raw meat on top of that. And then if you wanted to get some more Ziploc bags and put ice on top of it, now you've made a sandwich of ice top and bottom, and you're not going to contaminate it or get it waterlogged. Um, that's how I would suggest Well, the it. Hamel Dana way is to freeze jugs. And if you like Gold Peak iced tea. They make nice rectangular That's jugs. That's why you had those in that cooler. I was wondering about that. Yeah, we were moving that thing. Well, I was not, like, so they were still there. Some people, in the most people drink to live, and then there's some people that live to drink. <laughs> yep. And Brad lives to drink. So there's 400 jugs of iced tea every day somewhere, and he has definitely mastered the Hamel Dana way of doing uh-huh. that. Right, right. But you, you hate that. The, the one thing that I know drives you guys crazy at the butcher shop. Just and it's and it's not. It's people aren't doing it to upset the butcher shop. No, they just the way, don't know. They don't know. This they is just all don't lack know. of competence. So and 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 one of the things that I thought would be a good idea, but it's impractical to do at this field to table. But I think we could do a video <laughs> of it. Is gutting. Oh my God, Brad! Shut your mouth. I'm tired of it's, dog season. No, be- it, because it, how many times do you have? Because you have a sign up at the butcher shop. Five hundred dollar fine for what? Oh, it's an asshole, asshole fine. Removal. Asshole removal. It's, it's, an pro- asshole it's a serious problem. People are so scared of hitting the um, the bladder. bladder and that colon that you that sphincter. rots more meat than anything. Yep, you have two of the most the most high bacteria pathways other than the uh, windpipe, right? And people are too scared to puncture them. So what they do is they cut it off right at the stomach lining or the the colon, right where that sacrum is. There you go. And then they leave it. Well, then well, what they night. don't do is they, don't, they they want to take a saw and split it or a hatchet, and then they murder the shit out of the, hang, of the hams. Yep. And so when it's a buck, all you got to do is take its penis, the penile shaft, and just cut down all the way till that and its nuts come off. Mm-hmm. It goes in between and, the two and it, and, rounds. And, and it's, it's, it's penis – Okay, we'll, we'll separate after you get past. This is the not an X-rated podcast. No, Brian. I'm. This is this is. This it's is, medical. It's, it's basic medical. anatomy. Come on, right? So then you the get penile. down to where it comes out of the sphincter shaft or the anal area, and then all you do is stay above that and then penetrate that 
uh, that membrane and cut all the way around there and carve all around the anus and that outside hide. And then literally once you get it up there, that's why a buck 110 is the well, perfect I was just going to say there's a there's an aid in doing that properly, and mm-hmm. it's the right length of knife. The right length and the right shape, shape. and profile. Yep. Your bu- buck 110 is great perfect. because the thickness of the blade is good. The one thing, I, it's got that tip, that, yep. uh, that upswept tip. Yep. Whereas, you know that, what's the name of that uh, finish Twelve dollar knife oh, that yeah, I was going to uh, use. Um, that the, little sucker, oh, the yeah. wood handled one. Yeah, I yeah, bought, those, that thing, yeah. I bought that those because sucker. those guys in Alaska when we came back. Those are used. Nice knives. Those are good, but I, they they they, I will they say, get dirty. And no, I know the, the outdoor edge. The outdoor edge has this little panel thing, and most of the knives in there are gimmicks. Like I, mm-hmm. the, 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 <laughs> and I will say it, the gimmick. No, they are the gut hook. Thick bull nose knife that they right. have in there is the worst knife in the world. I'll okay. tell you. But anyway, it is. But go to what knife you're talking about. It's There's a boning knife inside that. And it's honestly one of the nicest knives that you can ever get in there. And, I mean, the whole setup's like $24. But it's hard to sharpen. Don't get me wrong. If you know, don't know how to sharpen a knife, it's going to you're but they usually them. have that sharpening, that carbide yeah, get that stone and you don't there. care. But yeah. Take the. I would rather we'll buy another one. That's how you knife sharp. So I, I have, a, I carry a little loveless, but I've been using that because I bought that cheap. I think it's actually fifteen dollars for that one, and it's got a wooden handle, and you flip it open, yep. and the rotate. Yep. There's a little ferrule that rotates I know around that knife. Yeah, and it. I was, I was like, I'm gonna throw this away at the end of the season because I inevitably forget, and I leave, and I got a bloody the end of the season a bloody knife and i haven't cleaned it up and yeah. i haven't sure and i was like oh this yeah. looks crappy yep and now i've used it for three years because mm-hmm. this 15 dollar knife i can't lose or destroy right but it rusts i mean it, it, it it's but the right opinal. shape it's an o- o- opinal. O- opinal or whatever opinal, yeah yeah, yeah. Opinal. um opinal. i don't know how they Sponsored. pronounce it o-p-i-n-e-l um yeah. and um they uh yeah, we, we uh, the the guides in Alaska use them, and they're from they're from France. So, um, and there's also a Swedish one. But you can you you can show people, Brian, and I think that would but that that's would a very people. similar curve. And then what happens is you 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 bung them basically, yep. uh-huh. and then all that stuff sits there. You don't you forget about it. Then right. split them down to the sacrum there, and then gut them up. Get your guts out. But when you pull their guts out, then the last thing you do is the penis and the testicle pouch come um, back the, through the bung. The, yep. the scrotum and yep. and, and the you penis pull all through. pull right through. Yo, it's all one, one giant tube yep a foot of it was on the outside of the body mm-hmm. everything else was on the inside and you don't need a you don't need a hatchet you I don't will need say a, though, so. but i got a lot of guides that when i do that in front of them they go what the uh-huh. only reason so. i'm in brad's corner on that aspect is people get in there and they get overwhelmed because they get they get everything that say you do that completely correct then they're staring at the stomach that's now starting to bloat starting to get big and they see a diaphragm and they don't know where it is, and they don't well, know how it's going. Well, that night that we came in, that it must have been like the second weekend of South Dakota deer season, and you had like 400 deer. <laughs> Long nights. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I saw some of the craziest stuff well, we I worked, saw. We worked three and a half hours getting Matt uh, um, all set. The, right. So. Because Other thing I wanted how to many, How many uh, – there was a handful of deer that night that were only gutted up to, to the diaphragm. It, it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Lungs, heart. So the one thing, the one problem I have with gutting incorrectly, and it's not even about, I will bung out a deer till the cows come home. You're going to lose a little bit of the round, but it's no problem. Nothing makes me more frustrated and sad for the hunter when they don't know how to gut and their tenderloins are shredded. 
And then they won them. <laughs> well, they, can, can that's I beside get, the point. But can I get the tenderloins? You've already got them. They don't know. They're trying you to get in there, and they not. just shred the tenderloins. And it's just a lack of competency. So I, I don't mean to. So there's a lot. There would be a lot of value in adding that to the field to table <laughs> okay. class, wouldn't there, Brian? Okay. So let's let's just have a conversation. I don't know how we're going to replicate that. And I think you threw a I think it's going to have to be the video <laughs> so, montage. Okay. Hey guys, can we cool it here? Um, <laughs> so so so. He, Here's the thing, okay? We thought the field to table would bring a lot of value. Yeah. We brought in one of the most seasoned meat processing families probably that you could bring in for it. The last day of this, and and then we'll wrap this up. The last day of it, we spent, after we got everything in the smokehouse, we showed them how to stuff out the sausages. Mm -hmm. We showed them what the smoking process should be. Yep. We did a because we have an in-house chef that does all our catering and, and oh special events. Oh my gosh! Right, and we did how to make wild game not taste like wild game by Chef Wes. And Wes is a dang good cook. Man, is he? He's he's really good. Never made anything I didn't like. And, he's, and, yeah, and that's he, not saying much. But so in Spearfish, South Dakota, he's an unusual cook to yeah. have the ability yeah, to he's, have because he's he's. Uh, his, his what school was is a Phoenix uh, Scottsdale's culinary school. He had whatever. so his background is he's had he has a degree in culinary arts. He went and ran a fine dining restaurant, um, actually four separate fine dining restaurants in uh, the Scottsdale Phoenix area. Then he finished up with um, his own burger restaurant. We, we'll Ohio. do a he's podcast. Yeah, yeah, we do definitely. We'll do a podcast to. with him and Noah again, and just just on wild game stuff because he'd be really good. And he he had to move here because he owed me his life. Um, <laughs> because out of college, I I hired him, and his, and his dad is good friends of ours at Rolling Bones because his dad father Larry, not that he's a pastor, father Larry. But his father, Larry, is our attorney also. But he did work um, out of college. His first job was in our brokerage, and he was one of our regional managers. But his passion was cooking. He went back to school. And so when we bought this butcher shop, we reached out to him right away, and we said, hey, this is what we're going to go create from a company's perspective. He jumped on. But that final day, that, just so our audience yeah. understands why we have a, 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 a um, chef of this magnitude as a part of a butcher shop, <laughs> But it was the entire thing we were trying to create from our food delivery experience. But that final day, he did and made all that stuff up and had oh. that blueberry, Wait, blueberry, what, what, uh, uh, blueberry or something. No, what uh, glaze? Blueberry demi glaze is what we called it or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, that he put on this on the a lamb. Sheep. Yeah. yeah, and and oh my god, he makes was a cream good. glaze that he can put on. They're usually like for their, uh, beef. But oil. even stuff like, like the meatballs. He put the, yeah. he, he made an Italian. Uh, um, he made those meatballs oh. out of the hot Italian sausage we made, and then he took um, onions and made a uh, marsala gravy in no time and put mm. that over there. And I mean, <laughs> we were eating the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it, it was amazing. So that that I think that adds an incredible element to that Me class. Too. Yep, absolutely. It was, you know, I mean, <laughs> so I can't go. wait. Now I can't wait to get the McBrides on here because yeah. I want to oh, yeah, hear their perspective. Fun. I'd like all our listeners to. Yeah. So what our intentions are to do, and we'll let you know when we get it done. And that's when the McBrides will be on is that our intentions are uh, to have this field to table class and I'm not saying that um, these other companies out of Bo- uh, Bozeman that have um, shows about meat and eating um, aren't accurate, but they, w- when I watch them, there's a lot of holes in them. And if I was a real meat eater, I wouldn't ever want to be poisoned by trichnosis in camp by the main chef 
that organizes eating uh. meat. Does that make sense? And 137 degrees kills it. We always bring ours well above that. 158. Um, 158, um, just because we, we never want to get close. And, uh, um, and if you cook it slow and low, the moisture stays in there. Mm. But we can teach you all that. And so what Brad and I had talked about for three years since we bought this butcher shop is Brad would come in. And Brad's, a, you know, by nature, the, the doctor scientist in him is one that wants to learn, right? And so you just embraced all this stuff, Brad, and you love it. Yeah, I, I love cutting meat. And and I, yeah, I love the whole... You, you love using yeah. your hands. You uh, love yeah, being with yeah. an animal, the livestock. You're a country boy at heart. And um, and so you just... And so Brad and I would drive around, and he'd be like, you'd be eating the sticks we made and stuff the last year. Brian, we got to teach people how to do this. Brian, we should... Do, Noah should run classes instead of killing or uh, doing processing. We could run classes. People would love this. Well, we just did it this last weekend. There were seven students that went through the class. It was a whole family, mm -hmm. and they were absolutely blown away. I can't wait to have them on. Once we get it organized and have the curriculum all put together, we will probably market these out, and uh, um, we'd love to have people come in. The intent is to have them come in, um, spend a day in class or an afternoon in class, much like shooting schools, an evening in class, and um, see how to break one down with a um, laminated diagram of a wild game in front of you and watch us do it and then the next morning we'll go through the, the what you're going to learn in a tutorial um classroom setting with the live carcass there we'll break it down show them they can view it the next morning we'll roll in their own carcass to each their own station they'll process their own animal they'll make sausage out of it they'll have a selection of what sausage they want to make and then they'll learn how to cook it with chef wes um, our sausage makers are there. Noah's there, the uh, master butcher, and we will teach them everything A to Z, field to table. It's fun. Um, Those guys had so much fun filling up the sausage stuffer, stuffer, oh and all that so, crap all was it. like. Because to me, I'm like, a, check out here. Everybody could check out here because that's what these guys are for. Right? Yep. <laughs> that's what Dylan's for. He's right. but they even, they even, loved it. Even the wrapping. Right, the, teaching oh, yeah. how to wrap properly. The 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 the, the ladies were like, oh, "Well, how'd you do that?" Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, there's there's that. an art to. I mean, wrapping, wrapping because Lindley. I mean, because you you always get disturbed by Brad. That's horrible. You got air in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah. It, you know, it's just a few little tweaks that it's like okay. I I know I'm I'm finorky with it. So anyway, well, hey, we we hope you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today. We bounced around a little bit, but I think if you listen to it maybe over again, there were some points in there. I think, Brad, your overview of how you pack out your meat with your garbage bags, you're the first guy I've ever met that did that outside of us, and I was blown away. Um, and so uh, I think that that's a good tip, the garbage bags then the meat um, uh, the meat bags. Um, Noah, uh, your, your three big points, the coolers, Mm -hmm. Waterlogged, mm -hmm. wash your meat off, mm -hmm. get it dry, use the game bags to get your stuff dry, separate your meat. Um, I, I, um, learn how to gut. One <laughs> final tip, though, has got to be don't put two, three, four animals in a freezer, turn the oh. freezer on and drive for four days and have it <laughs> finally frozen, right? <laughs> we'll do a whole podcast on that. Um, we'll have him in. <laughs> That's the one thing I'd love to bring on to a podcast at least once is the explanation of yield. Oh well, we've talked I, about it on the. But we you? should do it. We'll yeah. do it. We'll do another one. Of I these. would just. Hey, love if to you're talk listening about, and yeah. you say, "I would like to hear more about yield," I would like to hear more about. So they don't. That. What What is yield? Yield, yield means. Uh, so, say you see. Say you shot a 500 yep. pound animal. Yep. 
how much meat should I expect? 735 to- pounds. 60? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 60? 60 is usually where you go. 60, 60, 30. Yeah, 60. But, th- yeah, but that's what that. that's yeah. what I'm, that, yeah. so the they understand what thumb, yield. The rule yeah. of thumb is you lose a third when you cut it. Or you third when you cut it, it. A third, a third when, when you, you cut it. it. And so that was always the rule of thumb that we were taught in Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin. You lose a third when you gut it. You lose a third when you cut it. And so 60, 30, 60, 40, uh, um, I, I would say, you know, uh, yeah. So anyway, but another one. Um, like I talked for an hour and 15 minutes just on that <laughs> yeah, aspect right we there. We just did, so we got to wrap, guys. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that, that's interesting. Well, anyway, Noah, great job. Thank you. Brad, thank you. Great job. Yep. Um, Bleep, was, uh, as always, hey, we appreciate you listening. Go, Thanks, go on me. over to rollingbones.com. Rollingbones.com. Check us out. Uh, look at our membership. We have one that fits everybody, silver, gold, or platinum. We have a membership that will fit you. We're not an exclusive club. We're an inclusive club, and we would love to help you get on your next adventure um we uh take the time to do a dashboard build make sure we do a hunt plan with you we want to roll up our sleeves get to work and make sure your next adventure is the dream adventure you've always been looking for so um on that note until next time stay safe be healthy and happy hunting Cut.